0: Hold on to your butt. I'm, of surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our job. Joey Clark. Yes. Hello and welcome to it. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I'm by my lonesome tonight, up in this dimly lit studio. All the lights are out and the office is surrounding me. And I was listening this morning to the song that's playing now. Versace on the floor, Bruno Mars. I really wanted Childish Gambino's Awaken My Love to win the Grammy for Best Album and Record of the Year. I would have taken Jay-Z's latest album. For some reason, I can't get into Kendrick Lamar's damn I'm not saying Kendrick Lamar's bad. He's just... I couldn't get into it. I was listening to that as well. So I went back to the Bruno Mars album, started listening. It's a damn good album. It's a damn good pop album. And it warms my heart to just, you know, wake up in the morning. You know, I've been talking about trying this Headspace app, and I am going to try it, but as I opened it up this morning and listening to somebody say, okay, we're going to walk you through the steps of meditation. I had this immediate... ...recoil effect take over me. It's like, no, I don't want you to walk me through meditation. I want to just do and enjoy myself. So I started listening to music. Bruno Mars is what woke me up, got done with the workout in the morning. And now I find myself here. Lots going on in the news. Republicans last night, well, they voted the House Intelligence Committee... ...along party lines to release the Nunes-FISA memo now in the hands of the White House to decide whether or not they want to well, give it out to the public and declassify the memo. I have a feeling they will. I also have a feeling that the Inspector General of the Department of Justice, Michael Horowitz well, he's taking names and he's checking that list twice. Not in order to give you gifts and drink your milk and eat your cookies well, he might eat your cookies never mind, that was a weird place I was about to go But he is looking at DOJ officials, FBI officials, maybe people beyond those two organizations in the executive branch, looking at people who might have behaved um, inappropriately when it came to a FISA authorization. But, of course, the other side of the story is that Democrats are saying that, oh, why didn't you vote to release our memo, which was essentially what we're told through reports a point-by-point rebuttal of the Nunes memo. This is something I've been worrying about, well, for years now, ever since the leaks by Edward Snowden about the capabilities of the intelligence community, is that we would start to get into arguments where the public and the people, so wise they are. Well, they essentially, we, the public, we, the people, have our hands tied behind our back. Or we're really peering through... A straw hole and the rest of our senses are cut off. We're blind. We can't hear. We can't smell. We're just getting a little peek, peeking through a keyhole at the actual truth of the matter, the actual policies the federal government is undertaking for our safety and security and comfort. And so what we have to do is just trust our duly elected representatives to tell us the truth. But again, they have to tell us The truth with their hands tied behind their backs. We're getting into arguments over classified information, classified methods and sources. And yet this seems to be the story that has taken over the country for now over a year. Over a year. So as Donald Trump comes up to the state of the union tonight, and probably the state of our union is strong, there have been some stormy, stormy waters... In the past few months, but the state of our union is strong, or glorious, fantastic, wonderful. I'm going to point to these heroes here, because these heroes are what make America great. I'm going to say things that one side of this room is going to stand up and applaud. I'm going to say things that are going to make the Democrats sit in their seats with these surly faces and these frowns and sneers at me. (sighs) And it makes me wonder when are we going to actually get to talking about policies and big-picture items. I like the Trump tax reform, but we're still taxing in the most expensive labor country in the world. It's very expensive to hire American workers. We're taxing that labor that's very expensive, probably more expensive than most places in the world, at 15%. That's for programs that were set in place more than half a century ago. Programs that are now going, well, not just this moment, but, you know, the decades, nothing. The decades, the future. We only have to worry about the here and now. But those programs, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, they're breaking the bank. We can see it on the horizon. And in order to pay for them... We're taxing workers 15%. And we're still not in good financial shape. That is a big problem on the horizon, no matter who is president. I'm worried about loose monetary policy, not only in this country, but across the globe. That yeah, it's giving us another boom period, or some growth. But what happens when rates normalize? Or when we can't continue to monetize our debts and print more money? What happens when lending becomes more expensive? And we constantly are arguing about these issues with the intelligence community. And the big irony of it is Republicans... Devin Nunes in particular, pointing out the abuses of the FISA court and agents who appealed to the FISA court to spy on Trump associates. That's the theory working from the Republican side. And yet those same Republicans, most of them, turned around and not only reauthorized that program, they're now criticizing in light of how it was used against Trump, they not only reauthorized that program, they expanded those powers. And when when an amendment was offered up to essentially say that federal agents, when they want information on Americans, need to get a warrant, there was hyperbole and screaming, you're messing with national security. These programs have saved thousands and more because we can't tell you what's going on behind the scenes and we can't end this program. Well, Justin Amash, when he offered this amendment in the House, didn't say end Section 702 of the FISA statute. He didn't say that. said, say, FBI agents need a warrant. And yet the same Republican Party that is criticizing the top tiers of the FBI for apparently seditious activity is now expanding the powers that those very people they're criticizing used. And don't get me started on Democrats. Barack Obama was president when the Snowden information comes out. And I remember at a State of the Union, it had to be 2014. It was a rare moment as far as State of the Unions go. Usually one side stands up, the other side sits. Occasionally you get the like, isn't America the greatest country on earth? And everybody stands up like, yeah. Aren't you happy to see that little girl beat leukemia? Yeah, everybody stands up and applauds that. So either get one side standing up, or both sides for the usual platitudes and heartwarming stories of heroism. I mean, who doesn't love a good hero's journey? But rarely do you get a president say something, and then it's crickets. I wish I still had the clip, but it's Barack Obama, I believe, in 2014, after the Snowden revelations. Saying, and we're going to look into reforming our intelligence community's methods. And nobody cheered. There wasn't even a paltry golf clap. Everybody, I think when they heard those words that Barack Obama was going to reform the FISA program, well, I think they all were reminded of that stick they have up their butts. Uh, Though they're the duly elected representatives of the people, they're not really the ones in control, are they? They've been so scared by the supposed threats at home and abroad that we'll continue to shred our liberties for the sake of safety and security. It was a strange moment. But when Snowden comes out with this stuff, Democrats didn't, at least not the majority of them, raise a finger to change anything about this stuff. There are a few good apples in this rotten bunch on these issues. Democratic Senator Ron Wyden, for instance, is pretty damn good on this issue. Senator Rand Paul, Republican from Kentucky, is pretty damn good on this issue. But the party leaders, the so-called moderates, and really, to be a moderate in this country, at least if the last century is any measure of the matter, to be a moderate in the United States is to want more and more government, a big warfare state, a big welfare state. Let's debt finance it. Maybe raise taxes here while we cut them elsewhere. But just the status quo. And so, Trump apparently tonight is going for some big immigration deal. He wants a big infrastructure bill. And we'll see the details. But I stand by how I felt after Donald Trump was elected. I was both very much amused... And a little bit horrified. I mean, I found it all at once beautiful, horrifying, and a little absurd. It was beautiful because, well... It's always beautiful to see people who are giving up power become immediately wary of the power they gave up. That it could be abused... And I found the occasion horrifying to see those once wary of power, who screamed about the abuses of the executive branch under Barack Obama, now turn around and trivialize its hazards, because they guys in office. And I found this all very absurd. Watching the presidency pass into the hands of Donald Trump. And it really has nothing to do with Trump. It could have been anybody. It's not personal. It's not about personalities. And who can rev up the crowd. But it's absurd to see how vigorous and divisive the presidential cult of personality has become. For a nation that is supposedly a government of laws. A nation of laws Versus a government of men aren't we supposed to be a nation of laws and not men and yet all these men and women and people put up on these high places of power these seats of power these official office titles that's what we're concerned with the personalities and we create more and more laws and until the rule of law is almost meaningless it can be enforced selectively And right around the inauguration, I started wondering, what might this age of Donald Trump foreshadow? Well, every political pundit worth their salt was, of course, spinning up their own grand theory. Because that's what political pundits and talk show hosts like myself, if you're in political talk, do. We come up with a grand theory. Maybe it's not as crazy and on a chalkboard like Glenn Beck, but we come up with our theory. We put a spin on what this presidency is going to be about. And a lot of people are putting on their best impersonation, I've said it before, of that mad prophet of the airwaves, Howard Beale. Some of the pundits, then and now, buy into these narratives proffered by Trump and team. Others, then and now, call themselves a resistance. You might see them wearing pink hats that look nothing like vaginas. I hope I don't have to explain that. I mean, the political factions then and now are giving a perverse meaning to the phrase seek and ye shall find. I find it highly ironic... That both sides now are, cr- are essentially accusing one another of weaving conspiracy theories in order to cover up the other side's wrongdoing. It's like a perfect mirror image. In some ways, again, I find this humorous and also sickening. Despite the freedom to believe as we wish and believe whatever we want, To say whatever we want and whatever we wish. Millions of people in this country continue to take their cues based on what the new leader says and does. As though the only question worth asking today is how should the power of the U.S. government be administered? If only they asked themselves, should a lot of these powers exist in the first place? Obsessed with the power of, in particular, the federal government and the presidency, even more in particular, Americans and their neighbors, the people, are doing the work of Big Brother themselves. It's not some central power exerting all this authority, though that is a creeping reality. But Americans themselves are tearing their minds to pieces and putting them together again to fit a given narrative. Both sides. And there's truth involved on both sides as well. Don't get me wrong. I'm just talking about how people talk to one another for the most part. When it comes to political matters in this country. Too many Americans are willing to accept the gross exaggerations and outright lies because what their teams believe about the exercise of political power. Something about power makes those who lose it wake up to its perverse threats while those who win it fall asleep to its dangers. You know, standing on the outside looking in It's easy to see power is and always, always has been for the few to use and the many to suffer. Appeals to liberty, it seems, serve as the last refuge for those out of power. And may it ever be so. If liberty is the standard of the powerless, then put me in with them. And you might have heard me say this before, but I continue to come back to this one line from a poem by William Blake. The poem is called Auguries of Innocence. But it's a single line. It applies to Republicans. It applies to Democrats. It applies to President Trump and President Obama. To all the pundits on MSNBC and Fox News and CNN and your stupid little YouTube channels that yes I watch too it applies to me especially because I'm the one saying it it applies to Joey and I hate referring to myself in the third person can't believe I just did that but this simple line is a truth that's told with bad intent beats all the lies you can invent That is our issue as a country. And if we're going to assess the state of the union, the state of the nation, I think we should look beyond the latest political fights. I'm not saying to completely give them up. I don't expect you to. Because there is a lot at stake. But I wish on occasion we could get together as a nation, put aside the present-day fights, and look at each other and see what we have in common. And again, what we have in common is telling the truth with bad intent, and it beats all the lies we can invent. Because to tell the truth with bad intent is to be selective. And to bend the truth to fit your interests. Making a smokescreen for bad intentions while transforming good intentions into an excuse to traffic in lies. Well, I was only looking to help somebody and that's why I had to lie. It was for the cause. And this is how we end up sanitizing language with euphemisms. Torture becomes enhanced interrogation. Well, it's not really. It's not what, you know, worse people do. Well, fair enough. The murder of innocent people in war, which does happen, becomes collateral damage. Not that you killed innocent people or noncombatants even. It's just collateral damage. It's how concern for human rights becomes political correctness. And how ironic that that term, PC or political correctness, a term initially meant to critique euphemistic language has become a euphemism itself for anything I don't like any concern say that we might kill too many innocent people if we bomb this area well that's just a politically correct war no no, I'm asking a hard question is it worth is the juice worth the squeeze are we worth are we ready to kill that many innocent people in order to achieve our goals Luckily, we haven't had those huge questions yet under this president. But beyond euphemism and dishonest language, most of all to tell the truth with bad intent is to say something true about someone else while refusing to admit the same truth about yourself. It is such a shame to see so many partisans criticize the abuses of power only to turn around and carry out those abuses themselves. More than any lie Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or the media or whomever can invent, bad faith and bad intent have become the greatest threat to the freedom the honest conversation and truth of this nation. The human imagination, our innate freedom, can not long flourish and will lead to very dark alleys if it only becomes a mere tool for seeking and using power and political posturing. What makes America great is nothing our politicians do. Nothing. What makes America great is... something that, thank God, is much more resilient than what a few politicians can do. Though they're chipping away at it. Is the dynamic ingenuity... The spirit of hope and love for one another? Our traditions of commerce and voluntary organizations? Charity? These things existed long before even this government was created in 89. 1789. But here's the lucky thing much of the world today looks nothing like that of say George Orwell's 1984 even the country that most closely resembles Orwell's nightmare in that book say North Korea you have to wonder that they're beginning to crack they have their nukes I have a feeling they're boxed in Not just by the United States, who might be a little too aggressive in this situation, but by everybody surrounding them. As much as those who are in power, in this case the Republicans, wish to advance their own narrative as the truth above all others, new communication technologies have made this nearly impossible. Thank God. As much as Trump and his acolytes hail alternative media as their weapon against the establishment media and news, I expect such methods will be and are now being used against them. As much as Internet culture helped blaze a trail for Trump, Internet culture will also destroy his attempts to create this unified narrative. There will be people who believe Donald Trump who largely agree with him. Who you know, are a little skeptical because they're skeptical of politicians, but they like the guy. Fair enough. But there are too many sources of information for you to believe everything any politician says. All the warnings from the past and present that a central power would destroy and control the truth from that sender, well, it's not come to pass. No, what we see today are many competing narratives, and this is what has me worried. It's a good thing, because you don't have one central government controlling the conversation completely. As much power and money as all the big media networks have, they're not completely controlling the conversation. That's a good thing. Even if Facebook wants to crack down on public pages, make people pay more, the same with Google and YouTube. Good luck actually trying to control it gents. It's a good thing, but though it does suggest the world is changing for the better, it is no doubt something I was talking with Tom Riello about last week, something I come back to time and time again on this show. Because people are getting their information from so many different sources, so many different worlds and interpretations, it's going to be incredibly confusing, perplexing in the short term. With so many voices claiming to offer the real story or the unfiltered truth or universal values in competition with one another, disenchantment and confusion was bound to become our universal language. Hopefully we can meet this confusion not with resentment and more fighting, more dishonesty, more fake news, it would be best to remember what scared Big Brother and George Orwell's 1984 the most language independent of power's demands. You know the one phrase that couldn't be turned into newspeak? The butchering of the language in 1984? There was one phrase that couldn't be turned into propaganda. ...though maybe in the real world we're working at that. We hold these truths to be self-evident... ...that all men are created equal. But we must remember the importance of our language... ...the importance of our own personal stories... ...and our connection to larger narratives in this world... ...beyond the world of politics... Indeed, the most important things in our lives are the stories we weave for ourselves. And unlike ever before in human history, we have the tools to do so free of power's jealous demands. And now we must simply take a different path. we are to survive this new digital age, the rise of the mad profit pundits, we won't do it by merely calling out the lies and the hypocrisies of our age. Be wary of the mind-forged manacles, the shackles of being for or against a given authority or for or against a given cause. instead craft your own narratives independent from the banal desire for political power control and especially war the the ability to create new stories new fictions to understand our place in the larger chain of being that goes back thousands of years it's within our grasp and we can recall what is beautiful what is helpful what is hopeful in our religious, in our civic, in our commercial traditions. It's all within our grasp. And in the end, we would be wise to remember the rest of William Blake's line about truths told with bad intent. That for all the blessings of this or any other revolutionary age, there will also be curses. It isn't all sunshine and lollipops, folks. Here's the rest of the line. A truth that's told with bad intent beats all the lies you can invent. It is right. It should be so. Man was made for joy and woe, and when this we rightly know, through the world we safely go. Joy and woe are woven fine, a clothing for the soul divine. Under every grief and pine runs a joy with silken twine. We are best, as a nation, when we realize we don't have all the answers. When we actually listen to one another and work with one another. And I'm not talking about passing some crap bill in Congress. Actually listening to one another and getting to know our neighbors, inviting over a stranger for a meal, and trying to understand them. And if we can't understand them, hell, at least you might have had a good dinner. But that's what will keep America great and the State of the Union strong. Not More promises for more political fools who are very wise and very smart in many ways. But they're not gods. And they don't have all the answers. They're making it up as they go along the best they can. So I have to hit a quick break here. And this is why. I, I try not to get too worked up because it's serious stuff we're dealing with. I'm not talking about any particular policy like I was going on about the FISA court. That was just one example. But when you look at what's in the news today, is there you can believe what you want, but is there any way you can actually know? And does the belief that these politicians call for you to have fealty to, does it inspire good faith or bad faith? It's a simple question. Like I said, this is why I sometimes relax. I don't need some British guy on my Headspace app telling me how to meditate. Sometimes you just need good music. I'll be right back after this break. Joey Clark It's warming up Can you feel it? It's warming up Can you feel it? It's warming up Can you feel it? Joey Clark oh, Welcome back She gotta shake a little something Shake a little something Album of the day 24 Okay, magic Bruno Mars, one album of the year, record of the year. I wanted it to be in uh, My Love by, by Childish Gambino, but I'll take Bruno. Yes, shout out to the girls that pay their rent on time. I was thinking about that earlier today, that if I just spoke lyrics that, say, Bruno Mars sings, could I pull it off? And the answer is a big, fat no. No, I can't pull that off. I'm not that cool. I don't have that much swagger. I'm I'm mostly just a high-functioning idiot. Occasionally, I have a poetic flourish here or there. But, you know, I've been talking over the last few weeks that I'm having this political identity crisis. I took politics too seriously. A lot of what I was saying in the last segment comes from me looking in the mirror. As well as listening to people talk politics. Like, I literally had, at my high school reunion... One person was like, I'm a Marxist feminist. And another guy's like, I'm a libertarian, but I like Trump. And they started trying to talk to me, and they're talking over each other. I can barely get a word in myself. They're And they're not even addressing one another's point of view or points. It's just sound. Like, they might as well have been the most assa- annoying sound in the world from Dumb and Dumber. It just, it was white noise. Just static. And so, This stuff drives me crazy. So I'm wondering, well, what do I actually believe in? I mean, based on where I've been going, I'll I'll lay it out for you. Political despair. Disdain for most crowds. I am a hermit. Contempt for what passes as democracy. Oh, it's so ridiculous. Ridiculous. Love of invective. Insults. I like it. Disgust with the politically correct busybodies on the left. Paying work. That usually means I have to battle with the left opposition, but I'm changing the game in some ways. Frustration. With the establishment on the left and the right. And again, political despair that sometimes borders on misanthropic uh, wishes and Rhetoric. Like, when is the whole world just going to go up in a big nuclear flame? I have those thoughts occasionally. When is a meteor just going to come and end this ridiculous hell on earth we've created? Oh, by the way, I have white skin. I am Polish in most regards. Uh, And proof of membership in the male sex. Oh, yep, there it is. I could accurately be described as all these things I just laid out. And so some folks might consider me alt-right, but I'm not. All right. For instance, if beyond politics, I love and I'm very influenced, I've talked about it plenty of times by Prince. Where I come from, we don't let society tell us how it's supposed to be, our clothes, our hair, we don't care. It's all about being there. I'm very influenced by that weird little dude, may you rest in peace. The idea was it doesn't matter what you look like necessarily where you come from. Man, woman, black, white, believe in God, don't believe in God. All those things might be true about a given person, but stop putting me in a box. I just want to be me. I just want to be Joey. Prince just wanted to be Prince. And I'm not. thank God, I hope I never reach that level of the money would be nice, but not being able to go and enjoy your life, constantly having crowds around you, I mean, and I do like a lot of the stuff. A lot of stuff Dan and Greg talk about on air. I agree with what Baron talks about, I agree with. The left is Looney Tunes most of the time. But there are a lot of Looney Tunes on the alt-right. Say like Milo Thionopoulos and Ben Shapiro. When did he how did he learn to talk in that robotic Oh, he said his whole family talks that way. And I've gravitated towards somebody named Jordan Peterson, and though he's considered a champion of the alt-right, I don't agree with everything he says. I would rather, instead of watching a five minute clip of the guy, watch like 40 hours of his lectures and really hear the man out. I don't agree with everything. So I'm not really alt right. So, what do I believe? Plain and simple. What do I actually believe? And by that, I mean, what do I love, politically speaking? What values and ideals? will I talk about and defend, and hell if it came to it, die for. Well, some of the basic liberties in the First Amendment are what I would die for. But generally, if you ask me where I am, what I believe in, what is my political identity, I believe in free markets, not corporatism, not the government giving subsidies and special deals and fiddling with the tax system to control people's behavior and all. No. Actual free markets, which we haven't had in quite some time. If ever. So free markets, which a corollary of free markets is free trade. Borders that are largely open, but border. You can't be a nation without borders. I agree. Let's have the borders, but let's have people who are peaceful and just looking to trade and make the world better, free to move across them. I believe in developing racial harmony, harmony between men and women, and not by browbeating people or telling Whitey to check his privilege. You crackers, you should, you honkies. Some of you are privileged. Some of you aren't. Life is complicated. I get it's more than just about race, but I believe That people can get along, and in fact, people do if they just get to know each other. I believe in family units of all shapes and sizes and persuasions as long as they're well put together. That they're based in a positive love for one another. I got to see firsthand, yeah, a nuclear family stayed intact. But when that constant fighting and threat of division is there as a threat... Staying together isn't always the greatest thing. I'll put it that simply. I believe in liberty for all people. Every single human being. Because liberty is latent. It's built in. It's innate in every beating heart. Even if it has never bloomed. I believe liberty can solve most of the world's unnecessary conflicts. Whether political, religious, racial, so on and so forth. Yet I do not think liberty can be imposed. It is better to run the risk of suffering and injustice rather than flirt with the prospect of inflicting injustice on other people. I'd rather be the martyr than the executioner. Though both claim they're serving justice. I'm an atheist who thinks there's much to respect and learn from all the world's religions. That to develop the conscience is an ongoing relationship to understand what is right and good in this world. There are a few basics, but it's very complicated. And that you have to work at it day after day. Every day when you wake up, you have to think, where am I? What am I going towards? Whether it's as simple as pouring yourself a bowl of cornflakes with some good, delicious whole milk. None of this skim milk crap. Or it's, I want to be a good person. I want to achieve this in the next year or two. I'd like to have kids someday. Always working towards being better and understanding this world. But above all, I think friendship and peaceful persuasion trumps, no pun intended, politics all day, every day. And that saving the world doesn't require protecting nation, religion, race, sex, or land at the expense of other people's liberties. Those things can be protected without trampling on other people's rights. It simply requires personally looking out for you, your own, your neighbors, and those you love. I hold a firm conviction. Oh, and it's very firm indeed. That the people who actually have their heads in the sand are those who have their politically soaked heads so far up their own rectums, people so obsessed with their political causes that they forget to enjoy living and thriving in a generally benevolent world with occasional nightmares. I get so tired of mirror images of partisans forgetting how to respect differences and seeing what we actually have in common. So don't let politics define you. It defined me for too long, and it was a big, fat mistake. Politics has and continues to pollute the river of our culture. Politics has come to define so many people so profoundly that now all that seems to be left over is an impending battle over whose culture will be imposed through the power of the Leviathan state and government. And in the face of such a looming war, because there is a lot at stake, it is understandable that people often despair only to hurl insults and uncharitable interpretations and even material threats towards the other. The other seen as the source of their resentment and angst whether it is the left hurling insults at the right or the right trolling the left or everybody throwing insults at Donald Trump. In such a world dominated by political power, it is understandable that politically-minded people from all different perspectives, left, right, libertarian, well, the authoritarians are just crap. It's easy to see why any of these folks who are cynical about Politics sees anybody different than them as some threat and they take it personally and though there's plenty of blame to go around the true root of our collective problem problems big and small simple or wicked our true problem doesn't rest with the left or the right the true problem is and always has been human beings, well, nature in particular, our lust to dominate and control others as a means to pursuing our interest. That has been the story of humanity, time immemorial. And in this country, we didn't get it completely right, but we aspired to get it right. There are plenty of sins of the nation. So as Donald Trump goes up and speaks about the state of our nation, the state of the union, as one side stands up and cheers and the other side sits with a scowl on their collective face, as everybody stands for the usual heroes that we sadly use as props, just remember my politically active friends my politically interested friends I'm not telling you you're wrong all I have to tell you is the tyrant in you is the tyrant in me and if we are not careful even our so called reactions against tyranny and our causes for justice can mutate be perverted into movements to destroy for destruction's sake think about all the things that you get worried about politically and really look in the mirror and wonder how much do these things actually affect my life because when I did that I realized most of it doesn't and the forces that do affect my life are beyond my control whether I vote or not instead make your voice heard craft your own narrative about your own life and connect it to the bigger narratives in our history that you don't have to make others suffer an injustice for you to be made whole I'll be back tomorrow night we're going to have a lot of comedians up here comics good lord it's going to be interesting Talk to y'all then, six to seven. Right to it was fun. She gotta have her own money. She a- Joey Clark. Oh, yeah. Shout out to the girls that pay, pay rent all the time. If you ain't here to party, take your ass.